Well, amen. I was surprised Heather could sing it, being her birthday and everything. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter. John chapter 12, if you would please stand for the reign of God's word if you're able to. John chapter 12, we'll begin reading in verse 9. It says, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, talking about Jesus. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to, also to death because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, to Passover is what they're talking about here, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done, and that they had done these things unto him. The people therefore that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him up from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came before, therefore to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip cometh to, and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew, and Philip telleth Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world that shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. People therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Look with me back at verse 12 and 13, which is our text this morning. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of of the Lord. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Hosanna, the King is Coming. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We need your presence. We need your hand. 
Lord, I pray that you speak to every heart here, Lord. You know the hearts. You know the souls, Lord. You know whether a person knows Christ as their Savior or not this morning. So, Lord, I pray that if there is a lost person among the, the crowd this morning or either by live stream, Lord, I pray that they would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. But, Lord, I pray that you challenge every one of us and realize, Lord, how great a king that we have. His name is Jesus. And, Lord, may we also declare Hosanna. And, Lord, may we lift you up and exalt you. May you be glorified in everything that's said and done. Hide me, Lord, behind the cross. Magnify your son, Jesus Christ. Give me the words to say. Holy Spirit, take control of every heart and mind today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. In just a few days from this moment that we read about here, Jesus is going to be portrayed or going to be betrayed. And people that are claiming and shouting Hosanna, praising him and, and uh, applauding him and throwing their garments before him and putting the palm trees before him or uh, palm uh, 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 branches before him. Before long, they'll be crying, crucify him, crucify him. What a few days, what is, is it amazing what a few days can make a difference in. We find here that he enters Jerusalem with a great praise and worship, but in just a few days it'll all change. I'd like to make some comparisons and some applications out of these scriptures this morning that we're looking at. And, and this event that, that we're, we read here is called, some call it Palm Sunday because of the palm branches that they laid down before Jesus Christ as he rode into the town upon that donkey. Uh, many call it the triumphal entry before as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that donkey and he's praised and he's worshiped and he's lifted up. They call it the triumphal entry. But in just a few days, he'll be going to the cross. He'll not be riding a donkey. He'll be carrying a cross. He'll be, lay, he'll be laid on that cross and be nailed to that cross and dropped into the hole with all the, the people around there to watch him as he lays down his life for you and me. So I want us to consider some things this morning. First of all, consider the cry of the people here. Verses 12 and 13 again says, On the next day, much people, there was a crowd, a large crowd, that were come to the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. When they came and they began to do that and they heard that, it's like many times today we have these parades for, for war heroes and different great events and stuff. Uh, we've all heard of the ticker tape parade that they have in New York and the different places like that with different events and, 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 and lauding those who come in. And, you know, just recently the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl and so they had a parade and people lined up and they watched and they shouted and they cheered as they come in there. That would be similar to what was taking place here. As Jesus is riding into town, they're, they're magnifying him, they're, they're cheering for him, they're, they're calling, saying Hosanna and they're lifting him up. These people had heard of the miracle that Jesus had performed as he, wrote, as he raised Lazarus from the dead. I think that would probably stir your heart a little bit. He raised him from the dead. There in John chapter 12, there in verse 17, 18, says, And the people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met him. So they came out because they'd seen this happen and they'd heard about it. For that they had heard that they had, that he had done this miracle. So the word had spread that Jesus Christ had, had, had raised Lazarus from the dead. 
And so now the people here, he's coming into town. And so now they're gathering around and they're, they're waiting for his entrance into that town. They're cheering for him. They're lifting up his name. They knew that no one could do that except for the Son of God or, or except for God's hand be upon that person. God would use them to do that and have God's power in their life. Therefore, they came praising him as the king of Israel and sent by, that was sent by God. They were lifting him up. This entry, as he comes in, they're cheering for him. There's a great excitement of the people as Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem. They laid the palm branches and even their, their garments down on the ground in front of the donkey and, and made a pathway into the town. Can you imagine? If you'd have got here today and, and we'd, we'd had a bunch of people out there and as you came in and you start into the church, people was taking palm branches and laying them down in front of you and, and some of them taking their coat off and, and laying it down in front of you for you to walk on. As you came into, into the church, you say, you're a bunch of nuts. That's what I'd have thought. <laughs> but in that day and time, that was a sign of great respect and great honor. A lot of people say, why did he come into, man, you would have thought Jesus would have come into town on a, on a, a big uh, 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 horse and just come riding in like a, a, a knight or a king. What you don't realize in that day and time, that donkey was a symbol of authority. Go back, you look in the Old Testament. The kings and their sons that were in charge and the governors, they rode donkeys in. That was a sign of authority, a sign of power. Besides that, it was prophesied in the, in the Old Testament that, that Jesus would come in and he would ride upon an ass's colt, a donkey, as he, as he would come into Jerusalem. It was a sign, a fulfillment of that prophecy that the Son of God had come. And so now here he comes into town and there's this, there's this excitement and there's this stirring going on and, and people are looking to see him. He entered that day before the people with very excitement, the Bible says that they were excited. They, they shouted, Hosanna. Well, the Bible also says he's coming in the air again one day. He's coming back one day soon for an anticipated church to be saved, or the, those who are saved, those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He rode into Jerusalem that day with, with great pomp and with great excitement of the people. But one day he's coming back, and I believe he's coming back soon, in the air. He won't step foot on the earth yet. He will, he'll come in the air to catch his church out of here. You say, who's the church, preacher? Is that Baptist, Methodist? Uh, uh, what is it? No, that's not, it's not a name over the top of the door. It's a person who's received Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the church. That's the bride of Christ, and he's coming back in the air to receive that bride, that church unto himself. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. As, I, as we read the scripture concerning the end of times and, the, and this event that's come where Jesus Christ is coming back into the air, you have to begin to look at different things in the Bible and see when this is. Because people say, well, we've heard that for years and years and years, and he's not come back yet. No, but my friend, he's coming back soon. You begin to look at what's taking place. Here's what, let, me, let me give you a little, little thought here. When you're studying prophecy, don't study it in concern of America. 
Study it in concern of Israel. And when you begin to see the things come together, and it will concern America, and it will concern these other countries, but it's all really written and pointed towards Israel. But when you begin to study what's taken place in our day and time with Israel, and there is a hatred and there is a mounting uh, dislike for, for Israel, even, I'm sorry to say this, but even in America. When you begin to look around what's taking place, Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about a war that will take place when Russia, Afghanistan, and all those in that neighboring area, Turkey, uh, and Iran, and all those will try to come down into Israel. You can go look at it in Ezekiel chapter 38, chapter 39. They come into Israel, and God destroys them on the mountains, beats them back, beats those armies back. We say, well, so we understand. Oh, what you don't realize is what has taken place in the past year and a half or so is that when we, when, when our, when the president of the United States withdrew our troops, he allowed Afghanistan to realign with these countries, which is part of prophecy, and begins to put that together, that coalition together again so that they will go against Israel, so that they will eventually join with Russia, and that they will come in to attack Israel. He said, well, preacher, isn't that, the, isn't that in the tribulation period? Isn't that the battle of Armageddon? No, that's not it. This is a battle that precedes that. This is a battle that, that's going to take place before, that ever, before the tribulation period, probably. And so seeing all these things begin to come together, one of the things that has that has happened with this war in, in, in the Ukraine and with uh, Russia. You're seeing a, an aligning with China and with Russia coming together. Guess who is one of the people that is one of the major players in this battle, Ezekiel 38 and 39? China will also come in together. And they will be a part of this battle and then until this time, China and Russia has just tolerated one another. But now they are becoming bosom buddies. Now they are looking to be, as they have met this last time, to take world powers and be in control over the, over the, Western, uh, uh, the Western countries, uh, be America, England, and all those. You say, well, preacher, we won't let them do it. Really? We've become weaker and weaker and weaker. And I, and I don't mean to be mean, but under this administration, we've definitely become weaker, and they're not afraid of America no more. You say, well, we'll do something. If you look at the Scripture, it looks like we do what they call uh, stand back and say you shouldn't do that and slap them on the hands. Why? Because the leadership has become weaker up there. We've got, we've got to draw down to God. Well, listen, you say, well, well, well that, that's terrible. Hey, listen, I'm just trying to get you to see that things are getting close. When's that going to happen? I can't give you a date. Nobody can give you a date. But what I can tell you is that things are ripe. It's getting close. The Bible says that we may not know the hour, but we can know the season. Hey, listen, you walk outside. What do you see? All oh, the sun's shining. The birds are singing. The grass is turning green. And boy, you're going to have to start mowing your yard. <laughs> And we begin to say, you know what? I believe it's spring. 
You say, well, preacher, we can look at calendar. No, not always. You get snow and all that. But now it's beginning to change. It's beginning to get warm. You're beginning to see the flowers come up. You're beginning to see the, the trees are budding the, and the, the flowers on the trees and the leaves are starting to come out. And, and we know that this season is spring. Now, we don't know exactly what day all the trees will be bloomed out, leafed out. But we do know that we're in that season. Farmers are sitting there going like this here, just go, uh, just 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 waiting to get in the field and start and start planting corn and and beans and and just itching and they're just looking and, and they're they're watching their neighbor and if they see their their neighbor move their tractor, they jump on their tractor and try to beat them to the field. <laughs> Am I right, Curtis? <laughs> Am I right, Wayne? <laughs> I mean, it's like, a, it's like this contest out here. We got to be the first one in the field. So you can see the season. But you don't know the day or the hour that the Lord's coming back. But the Bible says He's coming back. He's coming back to catch us out of this, out of this world. He's, he's going to catch those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Listen, you may be a church member. You may, you may claim to be a Christian. But if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to be left behind. And eventually go through the seven-year tribulation period. We find there it's, a, it's an exciting time. The current events of our day, the aligning of the nations against Israel, the falling away spiritually in the church when Christians are no longer uh, uh, serving God and going after the things of the world. The shout uh, uh, loud, hey, listen, we're going to see the Lord come in the air soon. It's an exciting time to live in, to be honest with you. The reality that we're in the last days, that we will be taken out of here before the tribulation period, the lost world will go through that period of time is a, is a terrible thought. There should be a stirring in our hearts. There should be a stirring in our souls and excitement about the anticipating of the Lord coming back. You say, well, preacher, are you excited? About yes, I'm excited. About I want to hear him uh, blow that trumpet and come and catch us out of here. There ought to be, we ought to be saying, Hosanna, the king is coming. Hosanna, the king's coming. Verse Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 through 11 says, For God hath not appointed us unto wrath. There's a lot of people who say, well, we'll probably have to go through the tribulation period. No, I just read it for you. The, the, the Bible says, God, the, the, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourself together and edify one another, even as also you do. And that is following the verses talking about the rapture of the church. So we see that coming. There's a great comfort in that. Knowing that the Lord will come again before, we, before the tribulation period, that seven years of tribulation when he pours his wrath out upon unbelieving mankind. I do believe that we're going to go through some difficult times though. I do believe that the church will be purified. I believe that, you're going to, I believe that Christians are going to have to, uh, uh, have to stand up and say what they really are. I believe we're coming to a point of that nature. Then there's another coming. There'll be a coming as Hosanna comes, as a king comes. That second coming that the Bible speaks of is not the one in the air, but the one when the Lord comes to the earth. Our Lord Jesus Christ comes, but on this time, he's not coming back on a donkey. He's, he's coming on a white horse to wage war against those in the at the end of the tribulation period. Over in Revelation chapter 19, Verse beginning verse 11 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. 
His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And, and, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And, and with that he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth, out, he treadeth the, the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. And he that hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. But those here upon this earth are not going to be shouting, Hosanna. They're not going to be shouting, the king is coming. They're going to be wailing. They're going to be crying. They're going to be in pain. They're going to be in distress. They're going to be in great fear. Because when Jesus Christ comes back on that white horse, the Bible says that the armies of heaven will follow him. By the way, we've already been raptured out. We're part of that army. You say, Preacher, I've never rode a, a horse before. You'll learn real quick, amen? <laughs> You'll learn real quick. If you fall off, we're just going to leave you, amen? <laughs> we're coming back with him. He said, boy, I'm ready for the fight. You won't do a thing. You'll just ride along. The Bible says that Jesus Christ himself will fight the battle. You say, how does he do that? Well, the Bible says, from his mouth proceedeth a two-edged sword. I don't know it. I believe, Brother Randy, I believe with all my heart, all you have to do is ride up there and face that army and say, drop dead, and it's over. The Bible says in that battle, in the Valley of Medigo, the Battle of Armageddon, as all the nations bring their armies to fight against Israel and, against, uh, uh, and, and try to destroy Israel, then the Lord enters into this battle. And the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, will fight the battle. We're just along for the ride. But the Bible says, and this is amazing. This tells you how great and how huge these armies are and how many uh, there are. It says that the blood will run to the, to, the bri to the bridle of the horse's mouth. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. As Jesus Christ himself fights the battle and stomps that out, he then takes Satan. He binds, he binds him and he casts him into a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And during that thousand year period, Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth and will rule with him. He says he'll rule with a rod of iron. Who knows, you know, well, what, what you might be, might, what you might be the, 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 the mayor. Of, hey, Buck, you might be the mayor of Gillum. We never know. You might be the governor of Gillum. Who knows? You know, we don't know what's going to happen. The fact is, is that we'll rule and reign with him during that thousand year period. You say, what happens then? He'll lose Satan for a little while. And then there'll be the final battle. They won't be hollering, help me, or, or Hosanna. They'll be hollering, help me. These three times is the king, Hosanna, coming. Hosanna to the king. Well, we find that the people cried because he cried Hosanna because he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. Look with me again, verse 17 and 18. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, Bear record. Otherwise, they shared with others. They told what had taken place. 
For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. But a greater miracle has been done than that. A greater miracle than him just raising, uh, raising Lazarus from the grave. He himself rose from the grave. Here we find that he, they're shouting Hosanna because he had raised Lazarus from the grave. But in just a few days, Jesus Christ himself will be taken. He will be, that robe will be stripped off of him. He will be beaten. A, a crown of thorns will be placed upon his head. They will take a, a cat of nine tails and they will beat him until his back is, is a bloody mess. And, and, and most of the time, the, uh, uh, many of the, the, the people who are beaten by those Roman soldiers never even live through the beating. They'll take and nail him to a cross. Driving those nails into those hands. Placing one foot on top of the other foot and driving a nail all the way through that to hold him upon that cross. As was the Roman soldier's way, they didn't stretch him out. But they bent their knees and they put one foot on top of the other. And they would drive that nail in there their body was hanging and not like this, but like this. And every time a person had to take a breath because of the, the lungs and because of the beating and because of the fluids that was now filling even into their lungs because of the beating that he had. Every time that he wanted a breath, he would have to pull on those nails and push against the one in his feet to come up straight to open his rib cage enough to take a breath sliding that bruised and beaten back up and down that cross. With that, that, that thorns that had been placed upon his head where we go back over and, and we may deal with this next week a little bit. They took a rod and they would smite him across the top of the head, driving those thorns down. Now we're talking thorns like this, those Palestinian thorns. Driving them down into his scalp and piercing, hitting the skull and, and coming back out. A face where they had plucked his beard, literally taking hold of his, his beard on his face and ripping the beard from his face. Isaiah said he was unrecognizable. If you had seen him, you wouldn't even known who he was because of all that had taken place. Those Roman soldiers would put a cloth in front of his face and one would walk up with a big old Roman soldier and take that fist and hit him in the face. Say, if you be the son of God, Prophesy, tell us who hits you. He took that for you and me. He died on a cross. They're shouting Hosanna on Sunday. But in just a few days, he's going to the cross. He's going for you and me that we could have eternal life. He's going that we might have, have eternal life. And the miracle that is about to happen is he dies on the cross. He lays down his life on the cross. And, and then on the third day, he takes up that life again. He comes out of that grave and he's alive. And, and he, he's seen it later on by over 500 people at one time. There's no doubt that he's alive. The miracle is he, he rose from the grave. How could he do that, preacher? Because he's God. He's God. He rose from the grave to perform another miracle, Sean, that we could have eternal life if we put our faith and trust in Him. You see, the Bible says we're all sinners. That should have been you and me that was nailed to that cross. 
That should be me and you that was laid in that grave. But my friend, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. In Romans chapter 10, or chapter 6, verse 23. But it didn't stop there. It says, it goes on and says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're all sinners. Hey, listen, it's only through him and through his love that he had for us. In Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Otherwise, somebody had to die for sin. Jesus died for sin so that we could have eternal life if we would receive him. Amen. Oh, how we ought to be shouting Hosanna. Oh, how we ought to be lifting him up. You say, preacher, what does Hosanna mean? It means, oh, save. Oh, save. What an amazing thing when he comes riding in that the people are shouting Hosanna, which means, oh, save. They was thinking of him saving their nation from the Romans. What they didn't realize is he come to save all mankind, including the Romans. That they might have eternal life. That they might be saved. Oh, this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, he tells us that if we call upon him, if we our hearts, he said, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. You drop down to verse 13 in Romans chapter 10 there, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the great miracle. That's what the, that we should cry Hosanna about. And then he says himself, the hour cometh. Look at verse 23, John chapter 12. And Jesus answered him saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. What Jesus is referring to there is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That'll bring honor and glory to his name. Then his ascension into the heaven to, to the right hand of the Father. But could I take you to another hour that's coming when he will come again in all his glory? In, in, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 40, he says, And be ye therefore ready, uh, be ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. While we're busy, while we're thinking that everything's going to last and everything's going to go on, he said, Be careful. In an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Revelations 22 and verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work shall be. That's why you must be ready. That's why it's not just about going to church and singing a song. That's why it's not just about joining a church. That's why it's not just about going through a baptistry. That's why you must put your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. And only through him and through his shed blood can we have eternal life. You see and understand this more. Hey, listen, time is getting close. The Lord's going to come back. And if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll be left behind to go through that tribulation period. And the Bible says that because that you have received a testimony, because you have heard the word of God, because you had the opportunity to get saved, the Bible says that you'll believe a lie and be damned. Otherwise, that you'll reject Jesus Christ in that latter day. I've had people tell me, say, well, if the Lord comes back and I don't go, I'll get saved then. No, you won't. You won't. Because your heart will become hardened during that time. 
That's why we must be ready. Know the Lord is your Savior and Christian. We must live for Him now because we don't know the hour in which He comes, but we do know it's soon and we need to live in a way that glorifies Him even now that others can see Jesus Christ in our lives. We're the only Bible that some people will ever read. You're the only testimony of God's saving grace that some people will ever see. We must live for Him so that others can know Him as their Lord and Savior. Time is too short. You say, preacher, we got time. If you know anything about prophecy, if you study anything about the Word of God, I can guarantee you one thing. There's absolutely nothing that has not been fulfilled that keeps Him from coming back even as I'm preaching. Before we walk through those doors, Jesus could come back in the air. He said, that he probably won't. He says, in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. That's why when you say, I'll put it off till later, later may be too late. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart as in the provocation. That's when the children of Israel hardened their hearts against God. But we're to serve him and to live for him now, Christian. And Jesus then speaks of the judgment that is now to come, come into the world. Look at verse 31 of John 12. He says, Now is judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Because Jesus has come and died for the sins of man. Every single person is without excuse. There is no excuse for not receiving Christ as your Savior. There is no excuse, Christian, for us not to live for the Lord. Because Jesus Christ, he said, because his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, he says, man's without excuse. Judgment has come. Hebrews 9.27 says, as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Every single person in this room, saved and lost alike, will stand in a judgment. We will go before the Lord. The Bible talks about the, we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when we go before the Lord. If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior. Marriage supper of the Lamb, we will receive rewards for living for how we live for the Lord. We'll not be judged because of sin, because that's under the blood. That's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there will be a time of giving an, a, a, an answer for how we live. The Bible says that every knee shall bow unto Him, and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord. And every one of us shall give an account of what we did in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Every one of us, whether you're saved or whether you're lost, there will be an accounting time before God. I just praise the Lord that 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Otherwise, it's gone if you confess it to the Lord. You know, Christ, you say, it's gone. Yeah, but preacher, you know, but did you confess it to the Lord? Yes, I did. And, and everything. Then it's gone. Hey, listen, you say, well, I can't forget about it. No, but God has forgot about it. He's wiped it off the, the records. It's no longer there because you confessed it to him. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for that. But then there's a day, there's a judgment coming. The judgment seat of Christ. When all those who have never received Jesus Christ, their Savior, will come before the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation chapter uh, uh, 20, uh, there it says, it says, and the books were open. 
And as those books were opened, man, every man that didn't know Christ was saved, they were judged out of those books. And then there's another book that's open. It's called the Book of Life. And when their name is not written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, because they've never received Jesus Christ their Savior, judgment will be, will be passed upon them. And the Bible says they will be cast into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. I, I, I've done a little research on that word just out of curiosity, uh, uh, just some of the words there. And, and that, that word cast means to literally like a ball player. We've started ball season, but literally like a baseball player would take a ball and they would throw it or a football and throw it. Literally, those who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior, at the end of their judgment time there, they will literally be taken by the angels and they will be thrown into a lake of fire. You see, well, they'll burn up and be over with. No, they will eternally be alive in that lake of fire, a place of punishment because of their judgment. Then in closing, Hosanna. The king's coming. He's coming. He took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Oh, how we should give him honor and glory and to lift him up as our Lord and Savior and live for him that this world might seem high and lifted up in our lives and in the hearts of people around us. We need to give him the glory that's due his name as he came to redeem fallen man. You think about what he did for you. He snatched you from the burning. The psalmist said, he, he, pulled, he, he, he lifted me up out of a horrible pit and set my feet upon a solid rock and he established our goings and he gave us a new name and it's written down in glory. Oh, how that he pulled us out of that miry clay. Oh, how we need to lift him up. We need to give him glory that's due his name and, and magnify him. Oh, boy, we can shout about the ball teams. We can shout about the, the, uh, the, the March Madness and get excited. And I'm not against it. I like basketball. Boy, I tell you what, we ought to be shouting about Hosanna. Amen. We ought to get excited about the Lord. Amen. We ought to get excited enough to lift him up before people, not be ashamed of him. Not be ashamed to even out in public around lost people say, boy, God sure is good to me. As I always like to watch people's face. I'll meet people and say, how are you doing today? I said, or they'll say, they'll say, how's the world treating you? I'll say, the world's not treating me very good, but God sure is. They get one of those <laughs> looks on their face and say, oh, okay. God's good. All the time. Even in your difficulties, even in your struggles, God's good. And consider how we should live for Him as a Christian. Second Peter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come. Look at there. Here, there's that word come again. As a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall dissolve, be dissolved, he says, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for the hastening 
unto the coming of the day of God, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. He said, knowing all this, knowing about his coming, knowing about him coming in the air, knowing about him coming in the second coming to judge all mankind and, and pour out his wrath. He said, what manner of men ought we be? You know what he's saying? How should you live, Christian? To lift him up. To live for him. To magnify him. To bring honor and glory, not just with your mouth, but with your life and your heart. And to live in such a way that you can point others to him also. That's how we ought to live. Hosanna. The king is coming. He's coming. It could be any day. You say, preacher, you think it could be 10 years from now? Oh, yeah, it could be. It could be any moment also. As I study, as I said, there's absolutely nothing that's preventing him from coming back in the rapture for the church. We're just kind of waiting for the shout, Brother Randy, to take us out. Amen? And it's not going to be attention Walmart shoppers. <laughs> Say, what's it going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be good. Amen? And we'll split that at sky. I told somebody one time, I said, man, I'll tell you what, when the rapture happens, I hope I'm in one of the big skyscrapers on the bottom floor. They said, why? Because I want to go through every floor straight up. <laughs> Get your money's worth on the trip, amen? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for loving us. Lord, there may be people here that, good people, but they've never truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you draw them this morning. We're doing this invitation. Let's take a Bible and show them how to be saved. And Lord, there may be Christians here saying, boy, I need to get busy. And I'd say that'd be all of us, every single Christian, that we might live for you, bring honor and glory, because Hosanna, the King is coming. Have your one way this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?